0: huge as Mary Monarch is within the hula community and for a lot of the Halas that compete, that's not the only thing that's driving, or it shouldn't be the only thing that's driving dancers to continue to dance hula, you know, and I think if if that's what's driving you as a dancer, you're probably in it for the wrong reasons.
1: Welcome back, I'm your host, Io Ke'ehu, and this is Hawaii Rio. Today, I have with me Taija Hughes Kaluhi Okalani. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, you. Miss Aloha Hula, 2019.
0: Aloha, everybody. Yeah,
1: thanks for coming on the show.
0: Thank you for having me. It's an honor.
1: Oh, it's an honor. It's just a hobby. It's not much. (laughs) Well,
0: thank you for asking. All right. Well, thank you for
1: coming on (laughs) again. um, So how has the pandemic, like torn apart the whole Mary Monarch and doing the Miss Aloha Hula obligations and everything like that, that you, you, know, you guys are supposed to have throughout this 2020 year?
0: Um, I think, well, luckily I was able to fulfill all of the, well, most of the commitments that um, I was supposed to be a part of that year. And so I had already fulfilled most of them, you know, within that year. And so I think there was probably like one event that I couldn't actually um, partake in. Uh, I think it was just the the timing of it. Um, But other than that, I mean, at the time that they had canceled Mary Monarch, we were probably about a month away from actually taking the stage. So to give you just kind of like a visual or, or a vision of what it looked like. We were practicing five days a week for hours at a time. I mean, we were literally just in that grit of like training and practicing rehearsals and just trying to finalize everything within um, the practices you know, right before we get there to Mary Monarch and get there to Hilo. So there was still so much that we hadn't accomplished yet, you know, like just with costuming and um, our last practice was our first practice with our musicians. So Mm. it was kind of a bittersweet um, because that kind of gave us like the, kind of like a visual of of what our presentations would have looked like you know with our musicians there present um but then at the same time it kind of left that uncertainty of like huh oh, what would it have, what would it have looked like you mm. know if we were able to you know compete you know um
1: were you going to compete again for miss aloha hula in 2020
0: no so once you win miss aloha hula mm-hmm. you're not allowed to i mean you're you're pretty much like you can't run again okay so unless you, I mean, if you were a place winner, you can compete again. Mm-hmm. But unless you win, yeah, you're not. A, you, it's pretty much one and done. Okay,
1: <laughs> well, that's kind of good. Good to know. So you didn't like miss out on that aspect and train hard yeah. for that one thing.
0: Right. I mean, the only thing, it, like, with that whole experience, if you just take into consideration the fact that there was supposed to be a Mary Monarch. This past year, and there wasn't. There was also supposed to be a Miss Lohula last year, right. and there wasn't. So, you know, all of the halals were literally about to, you know, take stage and present um, everything that they've been working so hard for for the past like six, seven months. On top of that, they also had their own contestants that were supposed to run. Um, and compete for Miss Lohula 2020 and th- those contestants literally lost out that year, you know so yeah. um, it's pretty devastating as a, as a dancer, but I'm sure is even more devastating being a contestant that was supposed to run that year and then not even having that opportunity, you know mm-hmm. so coming from somebody that, knows what it took to to get to this stage how hard you work how hard how much you practice um, the time the effort the sacrifices that you make to put together your presentation you know and to represent your kumus your halal the people that have supported you throughout your journey it i can only imagine how heartbreaking it must have been for for those girls. So um yeah, it was just it was it was it was kind of a hard month to get through, you know, figuring out that or finding out that, you know, they're not gonna have Mary Monarch and then getting to April time and getting to that week where we were supposed to actually be there in Hilo, and then they're replaying like the um the the past years mm-hmm. of Mary Monarch and mm-hmm. it's just like oh like we would have been there you know we would have we would have been performing you know we would have been for some girls experiencing what it's like for the first time you know for a lot of girls we had um, a lot of young ones that literally had just moved up from the Kiki class and it was gonna be their first Mary Monarch so yeah it was just a bittersweet thing you know but it's nobody's fault you know it's just kind of everything that happened with covid and so you know there's nobody to blame it's just what what more can you do you know
1: yeah just um work hard for the next year push forward strive yeah you know yeah go forward with i mean
0: is is huge as Mary Monarch is within the hula community and for a lot of the halals that compete that's not the only thing that's driving or it shouldn't be the only thing that's driving dancers to continue to dance hula you know and I think if if that's what's driving you as a dancer you're probably in it for the wrong reasons so um
1: so we'll get into that what drives you
0: what drives me as Mm. a to dance yeah well, I mean, I think I have a very different story. Um, hula is, for me, how I identify myself. I identify myself as a hula dancer. Um, I guess we can get into that story now.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> you do have a story of trials and tribulations yeah. from young kid time.
0: hmm Yeah, um, my mom, she was a single parent. She had two kids, I'm the oldest. I have a younger brother, two years apart. Um, He was born with special needs. Um, He was a miracle baby. He, doctors had said that he probably wouldn't survive past the age of two years old. He was born with many, many diagnoses, including cerebral palsy, epilepsy. Um, Just, he struggled, he struggled a lot. And he required a lot of care. Um, He was confined to a wheelchair. He couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. He couldn't sit up by himself. He couldn't eat by himself. You know, he went through multiple surgeries in order to just kind of allow him to live more comfortably. And he required medication three times a day. And so with my mom being a single parent, she took on that role of like, okay, well, this is what it is you know I'm going to do the best that I can to be the best mother that I can to these two beautiful kids I'm going to learn more I'm going to research more um, figure out a way to just provide the best care that I can to um, her son and and I helped her and she taught me everything that I needed to know about him and so literally I was almost kind of like a second mother you know and um, there was a lot of times, you know, where I'd wake up in the middle of the night and there would be fire, firefighters and paramedics and um, police officers in our house because my brother had a seizure or, you know, something was happening with him and he wasn't responding. And so we spent many nights in the ER. We spent many nights in the hospital and coming from the west side which is where I grew up in Makaha Valley. And our main doctor for my brother was based out of Kapilani Hospital. So we would literally have to trek from Makaha Valley to Kapilani Hospital.
1: It was like an hour, over an hour.
0: About about there. Well, if you're in an ambulance, they're they're going yeah. kind of fast. Um, but that was like in the middle of the night, you know, tw- 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And that was like a constant for us. So... Yeah, I grew up a lot of nights. I grew up in the hospital, um, went to school, continued to go to school and, you know, would come home only to go back to the hospital. So there's just, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things that you that we had to deal with. But thinking back on it, like those were the best memories that I had. you know, um, it was just the three of us. And as hard as what people would probably say say my like the life of having to live that type of lifestyle was my mom just she just was a wonderful mother to both of us and it didn't seem like it was hard you know it didn't seem like it was a hard life Um, we did what we needed to do in order to take care of of my brother and make sure that he was as comfortable as he could be, you know, and, and in turn, he gave us 11 years, um, of just of being able to love him and being able to take care of him and being able to learn from him. You know, I learned a lot and I, I grew up um, fairly quickly throughout that experience in my life. I can say that, without him and without that experience of experiencing him and loving him, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. So he's molded me and that experience has molded me into um, the woman that I am now. And he's not here physically, but I know that he still lives, you know, within me and within my mother and he'll continue to live on and hopefully, you know, when I have kids, I can continue to um, teach them a few things. And
1: I mean, it's amazing that he lived <clears throat> till eleven years old.
0: Yeah, I I agree. He he struggled a lot. I mean, he let's say he had scoliosis, um, severe scoliosis. So his spine was literally they literally spelled the letter S and that was his spine. Um, So if you can only imagine like how much pain he was probably in and with somebody that can't talk, I mean, we really don't know how much pain he was in and how much he was actually suffering. Um, His hips, because he laid down for so long because he couldn't sit up by himself. He couldn't, you know, move around by himself. He actually had dislocated his hips So both of his hips were dislocated from the hip joint. He needed to have surgery on that. Um, they needed to place screws and rods into both sides of his hips in order to, um, to just be able to, to fix that. So, I mean, he, there is, there's a lot that I can remember and there's a lot that he had to deal with, you know, internally. And I, I learned a lot from him and, um.
1: What's one of the lasting lessons that you learned from your brother?
0: Unconditional love like unconditional love like i I don't know it's it's something different when you have to take care of somebody else you know when you you put someone else's needs and someone else's um just someone else's needs really in front of yours and I think at, at a very young age when you're experiencing something like that it's, it's kind of hard to like already process because I was a kid doing it. But I mean, honestly, couldn't tell the difference. You know, it was just the life that I lived and, you know, with the help of my mom and we just, that's, that's how we lived. Honestly, our purpose was to care for him and to make him uncomfortable, you know, and that's, that's all we knew. That's all I knew. So I didn't, I didn't know anything different than that and i wouldn't change any of it for the world you know if i could i I could if i could i would relive it just to just to you know go down memory lane and just kind of like experience those things all over again
1: how does that motivate you and translate to um hula or does that translate to hula
0: While all of this is going on with, um, you know, taking care of my brother, um, my mom wanted me to have something that I could call my own. Mm. She wanted me to have an outlet where I could put all of my energy into, you know, because she she understood that it, it took a lot of attention away, you know, from from me. And she just wanted something for me that I could call my own. And something that I could just get all of my energy out in. Um, so she put me in hula. and
1: oh, How old were you when you started hula?
0: Um, I was eight. Okay. I was eight or nine. Eight or nine. But I started dancing hula and I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, and there's just a, a, a bigger connection that I felt with hula that was unlike anything else. Like I played basketball, I played, you know, she tried to put me in all these other sports too, like basketball and softball. Um, But it, it, like hula grabbed me and I clung, I clung to it. And that was where I found my own identity and who I was. Um, and so that's why I say like hula's hula's a part of me because it's, it's who I am. It's how I identify myself. And from eight years old until now, I'm, I'm lucky to be able to say that I've been able to dance. Like we relocated multiple times growing up, you know, from, from going from Macaw Valley to relocating to Makiki and transferring schools and just moving around. And I've been lucky enough to be able to still dance hula throughout all of that, um, throughout the relocation of from going from Makaha to Makiki to transferring to Roosevelt, and them having an elective class that where they taught Hawaii, Hawaiian hula or Hawaiian dance, and so it it was able I was able to to stay with it for that long, um, and that's where I felt the most alive. That's where I felt the most myself. And that's kind of cliche to say, but it's like, honestly, the that's honestly the truth. That's the truth. And so when I graduated from high school, um, there was no halal that I was a part of at the time. And so I didn't dance. You know, I went straight into working and it was about four years of no hula of after high school and i think i was working at i was working at 24-hour fitness and i was working the front desk and i was just kind of like me hmm. you know i i you know i felt like something a part of me was missing i felt like a part of me was missing and i couldn't quite pinpoint why i was feeling this way and what i could do to change that feeling so i thought about you know when i was younger i thought about like what, what was i doing when i was like the most happy and it was when i was dancing hula you know so i was like okay i'm gonna go back so i made a decision to go back to hula um was able to come across the website for um, and I was immediately drawn to uh, the description that had, you know, the, the introduction of Kumu and who he danced for and Kumu Lono and who he danced for and what they were, you know, what they wanted for their students and, and what they wanted to, um, what they wanted their legacy to be, you All know, right. to Is continue it- the traditions that, mm-hmm. that they were taught from their Kumu.
1: 'Cause oh. they're not just a class, they're more of a hula where you're getting together to really learn the culture. Yeah,
0: it's a cultural practice. Mm-hmm. So you you don't really you don't just get into hula and you just stay with hula. It's 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 there's a combination of a lot of things. There's the language, there's the 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 mele, there's you know, the storytelling, there's it goes it goes way deeper than just the the what people think is just hula. So and <clears throat> Um, so I made the decision to go and one day I, I went and I was like, oh my God, the feeling that I felt all this time of something missing, hmm. it felt like that last piece of the puzzle finally fit.
1: And was that right away? Like the first day you went? Yeah.
0: It was immediately it was immediately. I think it was the, the as I was driving home after that day. Mm. Cuz I I remember they they kind of talked a lot about like the their rules and all that kind of stuff, what to expect, um what they what they expect out of you as a student. And then I danced um in that class. And then I went home and I was like, "Oh my god, why didn't I do this sooner?" Mm-hmm. You know, like, why did I wait? You know, um but it made me appreciate hula so much more because because there was a period of time where i didn't have it in my life mm-hmm. and i was like it, it almost felt like internally i was longing for it and i just didn't know i just didn't know what i needed but i finally figured out what it was
1: so when you got back into it after that hiatus mm-hmm. did you like have like a lot more motivation to stick with it and take it seriously
0: yeah yeah well i think at that time i was older too so Mm. i like i had a better understanding of like just a better understanding and a better appreciation of of hula itself and um kumukiano and kumulono just pretty much involve you in in every aspect of of hula as well you know not just Mm. i'm gonna teach you this dance yeah right they mold you into a dancer you know and all of that that encompasses you know there's the physical aspect there's the emotional aspect there's an intellectual aspect there's a spiritual aspect and so there's there's so many aspects that you know combine you into a into a dancer and i was and i was like you know it was like a kid at the candy store and i just love learning and that's kind of the rekindle of the fire for me
1: and it's kind of cool that like nobody's making you do that you know your mom's not bringing you there and dropping you off and making you do hula or do a sport or anything like that you're doing it of your own volition and that that's so much more powerful when you when it's you're doing it for yourself right because i find that with hockey it's like i just i took a five-year hiatus also um from hockey i was Mm -hmm. playing hockey from like junior all the way through college and then I stopped for like five years. Mm-hmm. But when I got back into it, oh, it was like that. It was like a piece of that puzzle for my soul was missing.
0: Yeah. So That's, that's good because now it makes me feel like, okay, I'm not crazy. You're not because crazy. When, sometimes I talk about it and I'm like, I feel crazy. You know, because <laughs> like, I don't know if people necessarily understand where I'm coming from, but I'm glad that you said that. It's almost
1: like <laughs> I, I would feel bad for people that don't understand mm-hmm. that. Being that in tune with yourself and Mm -hmm. knowing what is missing from your life. And that if you get that piece of the pie or the piece of the puzzle, that it it satisfies your soul. Like a lot of people have it with surfing or going to the ocean or Mm -hmm. running or hiking. Mm -hmm. You know, some people have it with like video games.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, it's good. It's good to have that. I think yeah. everybody needs to find that whether it's a hobby or, you know, an, an outside profession or, you know, in your case, like competitive.
0: Mm-hmm. Another like life-changing experience that I have was just that journey in itself of, you know, just learning and just that whole process of a combined like six months of just kind of like learning about my family, you know? And so in the beginning of that, that journey you know i think i believe like my my kumus were just like okay so do you have um do you have a genealogy do you have a family lineage that you can that we could probably see and reference um to give us some type of inspiration you know to that way we can kind of like you know see what what we can do in terms of like the presentation mm-hmm. choosing the melee and and that stuff and so i was like okay yeah i have a i have a genealogy so i brought it the next time around and they're just they were looking through it and they were like taken back you know and i was like
1: the jaws dropped
0: yeah and i, I was like is that good like and they're in they were just like, uh, do you know who these people are? And I was like, no, I have no idea who these people are. Like, I've, I maybe have heard of a few people, like my middle name. I'm named after Kia Kialani Wahine. And she's a descendant um, that is in the genealogy, in my genealogy. And so I'm named after her. That's pretty much it, really. And so they're just kind of like, you need to learn about them like you need to in order for you to know who you truly are you need to know where you come from like you need to know who your kupuna are you know and and more importantly you need to be able to continue to talk about them and pass them on because these are ultimately the people like without these people you cease to exist you know and so i was just like okay you know
1: um Were they important people in Hawaiian history?
0: They were. They were important people in Hawaiian history. So, um, Liloa um, was a prominent, prominent figure in Hawaiian history. He was an ali'i in the 14th century. And it kind of started off at Liloa, which... Be, and, it, and it kind of listed a number of, of ali that came to follow um, his, his line and his lineage. And so that's, they're all listed within the documents that I have. And so <laughs> that's what my mele was about. You know, my kumus were able to find um, mele and, and the, the chant within a newspaper article um and you know they they were like we need to do this you're gonna translate it you know internalize it and we're gonna go from there and so for me it was so much more than just a competition and gearing up for a competition it was literally like finding out who i am through these people um learning about the importance of genealogy, learning about the importance of knowing who your kupuna are and why it's so important to continue to pass that knowledge down, continue to say their names, continue to talk about them because that's ultimately who you represent now right and and without them there is no you and one day you're going to be a kupuna as well and hopefully you know your kids and your kids kids and the people that come after them will be able to celebrate you and and that's just kind of how that circle continues of of the legacy and of the genealogy and of the family lineage so oh it was a huge huge life-changing experience and that was only one aspect there was only one aspect
1: what was that other aspect
0: well so there's the process of um you know leading up to the competition and competing for you know miss Hula so that journey was like self-discovery right um through you know the my my genealogy and my family lineage and the sent descendants that and the kupuna that I come from and then then I win Miss Lohula.
1: <laughs> but that was the goal, right?
0: Uh, it, it Well, it wasn't. I mean,
1: were you not expecting it?
0: I wasn't expecting. Was it, it
1: your first time trying?
0: Yeah. Well, I I honestly didn't even think that I would be one of those girls to even have an opportunity to run mm-hmm. you know um because it's not just something that you just sign up for you know like hey i want to do miss Alohula. hula i'm like okay we'll run you you know it's um you have to be chosen by your kumu you know and um there is 70, 80 other girls that they wow. can choose from mm-hmm. probably within Halal, oh, okay. our own Halal itself. And so it's, it's a huge honor. So they know, choose
1: just one per Halal?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. For that year. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And so it's, it's a huge honor in itself being even considered.
1: Yeah. Cause you're representing all of them. Right. You're mm.
0: representing them. You're representing the Halal. You're representing their lineage their kumus like that's a lot of responsibility Mm -hmm. but it's a privilege as well you know to to be able to um step up to the plate you know and um to do your best and then and then for me honestly like that whole process I wasn't that's not the 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 goal wasn't for wasn't to to win the competition you know, for me, it was just to learn. You know, to learn more about myself and and the struggle of of having to work for something that hard. You know, and and working hard and struggling for all of those months and the day in and day out of practices, getting yelled at, and um, you know, just having to get through that. You know, the the hardship. <laughs> You know, it was so much. There's so much more to that journey than just I want to win. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you're training like an athlete. Pretty much, like I guess you could say athlete that. Kind of thing. Yeah, I guess you could say that. And well, the Mary Monarch is what they say the Olympics of hula. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's held in that type of regard as well. You know, so um, yeah. I didn't think i was gonna win to be quite honest with you i mean and i could name and list so many things of why i didn't think i would win you know i didn't have enough experience um i had only been dancing for you know um for like three years you know whereas some girls have danced their entire lives you know like from three years old you know and um i just honestly didn't have it, that confidence in myself to think that i had the ability to do something like that and then win so yeah so then it happened and i was like holy crap like what what do i do now <laughs> you know um and so it's it's been a very interesting ride yeah. A very interesting ride so and i'm still learning i'm still learning a lot um you know, naturally I would say like I'm I'm kind of a shy person. I'm Mm -hmm. more reserved. Um, I'm not necessarily somebody that will be like the 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 butterfly, you know, and
1: the social butterfly. Yeah, the the social butterfly,
0: you know. But being a Miss Lohula, it it has forced me to kind of come out of my comfort zone. Mm. You know, it's forced me to do things that I never thought I would do before. You know, speaking publicly—never thought that I would ever do that. Or, yeah, never ever thought. Or speaking on camera like this—you know—never um, thought that I would have to do that. Or never thought that I could do that either.
1: That you're doing a great job.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it's a learning process. And there's still Let's do much more, more to learn. And it becomes natural. Yeah. 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 So, you know, but there's things like that that I've learned so much, and I just, yeah, you know.
1: So, how does it feel uh, being a representative for the Hula community, the Hula world?
0: I will say it's it's an honor to to be able to represent something bigger than myself. Um, but I can also say that it it can be overwhelming. It's it's a lot of pressure, you know. It's a lot of responsibility, you know. Um, people think, you know, you're a, you're a celebrity and you kind of are almost, you know, in Hawaii, you're kind of looked at as a public figure. People look up to you. So people expect a lot from you, um, which can kind of like feel like a burden sometimes. Um, but the best way I know how to deal with, with, I guess that is kind of going back to how i live my life um anyways like i live my life striving to make my family proud striving to make my mom proud make my brother proud make my kumu proud the people that matter most in my life i strive to just to be the best person that i can be um, to be genuine, to be honest, to be humble, to be, uh, kind, you know, and to make an impact somehow, um, on others in a positive way, whether it be through hula, whether it be through just life stuff.
1: Are you proud of yourself?
0: I am, you know, I, I I am, but I'm going to leave room for there's always more to work on. Um, there's always more to learn. I'm still a student as well, you know, and I, I think sometimes people forget, like, I'm a student before I am Miss Aloha Hula. Um, I'm still learning, you know, and, and that's in the Hula world as well as in just life. Like, I'm still learning.
1: Right. So winning yeah. that competition doesn't necessarily make you a master at anything. No. Yeah.
0: It just means that you won the competition. Mm-hmm. And that's how I think of it. Um, and that's not to to um, play down Mary Monarch Festival. It's not to play down the, the competition in itself because it's so prestigious. And it is such a huge honor um, to to be able to accomplish something and achieve something such as great as as that. But reality of it is I'm not the best hula dancer in the entire world. Um, And I think, and I, I could name a list of things that I need to work on and a list of things that I still get yelled at till today by my kumus.
1: But you were the best that night, at that time, on that stage. Correct. That's what matters. That's what counts.
0: Correct. Yeah. But it's also knowing that um, there's more to learn. There's, you know, and that's part of hula. Hula is evolving and continuing to learn because there's always something that you need to work on. And that's also part of life as well. So um, I think with everything that I've, you know, experienced in my life through hula and through my own personal life ultimately has made me a better person first and a better dancer as well but i think being a better person is the most important thing
1: um taisha it's been uh Tasia. taisha taisha, taisha. taisha. Taisha, it's been so good having you on. Thank you for coming on to Hawaii Real.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for yeah. allowing me to.
1: <laughs> good luck to you in the future. Good luck to you. All right. Thank you. Remember, stay happy Hawaii.
0: Stay safe.